If it is your first time here, my name's John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. We are wrapping up this summer series that we have been calling More Like You. And for the last 10 weeks, we've been talking about what life change looks like for us. Scripture says that when you become a Christian, or when you say yes to Jesus, as we kind of like to say it around here, what happens is that the Holy Spirit enters your life, takes up residence in your heart, and begins to change you from the inside out, making you look more like Jesus, more like you. Now, the evidence of that life change, according to Scripture, is what is known as the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul tells us what these fruits are. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the best way to sort of remember what these things really are is these are the qualities of Christ. These are the characteristics of Jesus. He would have exemplified and personified these qualities when he walked this earth some 2,000 years ago. Now, only God can produce these fruits in our lives. However, as we talked about in week one, we have a responsibility as well. And our responsibility is to cultivate these fruits, to do our part. And so each week, for the last 10 weeks, we've been looking at the individual fruits, finding out what Scripture has to say about them, and most importantly, finding out ways that we can begin to partner with God to cultivate them, to develop them, uh, and to implement them in our daily lives. So today, as we wrap up, I want to talk about the very last fruit of the Spirit, and it's the one that I would say we all claim not to have when the chips and salsa land on the table, and that is self-control, right? Get these chips away from me. I don't know if you've been to La Bamba with the free chips, but they're great. And Adam and I would go through three baskets, easy, not a problem. But what is self-control? As a definition, self-control really is the ability to say no to yourself or to some other thing. Self-control is the ability to manage one's impulses, one's emotions, one's behaviors in order to achieve a long-term goal. And before we kind of dive into today, let me just say something. I think today, for some of you, might be a difficult topic, okay? It's just the nature of a conversation about self-control. Because I'm going to say some things that maybe you might not like, okay? I'm going to say some things that you might just not really want to hear, or that you might think, you know, it sounds like you're just being a little harsh, but the harsh reality is that many of our problems are caused by a lack of self-control. Like, why can't I lose weight? Why can't I hold a job? Why is there always a, an Amazon package arriving at my doorstep every day? Who's ordering these packages? <laughs> like, every day, it's a new one. Did you order? No. Okay. Why can't I stop this bad habit? Why, why can't I get out of debt? The list goes on and on. And chances are, the reason we can't do these things is because we lack self-control. Which means you are your biggest problem. I am my biggest problem. Now, maybe you're here today and you might say, you know, my life just kind of feels like out of control. And maybe it is. You know, you feel overwhelmed by situations or circumstances. You might feel like, I feel like defenseless, honestly. I feel like very, very vulnerable. Your life is almost like a, one of those shopping carts at Target with a bad wheel. It's just like all, it's just like all over the place, okay? Now, there's a reason you might feel this way. Proverb tells us that a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. That's, a, that's a, not an easy place to be. Now, conversely, a person with self-control feels confident. 
has an inner sense of security about them. And unlike your shopping cart life, theirs is like a finely tuned automobile. It just stays on course with the slightest touch of the wheel. Self-control doesn't just give us confidence. It doesn't just give us uh, you know, a sense of security. I argue that self-control and self-discipline, for that matter, are key factors to success in this life. You might not want to hear this, but I would argue that it's, it's difficult to achieve anything of lasting value, and that's important, anything of lasting value without self-control and without self-discipline. Paul realized this when he said this in 1 Corinthians. Every athlete in training submits to strict discipline in order to be crowned with a wreath that will not even last. But we, as Christians, we do it for one that will last forever. Which means, folks, self-control is not optional for Christians. If we are to achieve true freedom in this life, we need self-control. A Greek philosopher, and I can't even pronounce his name, he once said, no man is truly free until he masters himself. Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Samson, great Old Testament character, strongest man that ever lived, okay, he lacked self-control. And ultimately, that did him in. One of the things you're going to notice in this world is that people will try pretty much anything to gain self-control or really make up for the lack thereof. Pills, uh, seminars, like resolutions that we don't keep, okay? Surgeries. Now, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just pointing it out. And what I've seen is that quick and easy answers simply don't bring self-control. So, what does? How do we get self-control in our life? Well, thankfully, the Bible is very clear on this topic. And so what I want to do with the remainder of our time, I want to give you just a handful of steps that you can take in your everyday life to begin exercising more self-control. So the first step you need to take if you want to begin cultivating self-control is you need to admit your problem, all right? You got to accept responsibility for your lack of self-control. You got to say, you know what? I got a problem, and it's self-control. James, the brother of Jesus, said this, a man's temptations is due to the pull of his own inward desire, which can be enormously attractive, which means we do things because we like to do them. Like when I do something that I know is bad for me, I do it because I like to do it. For example, I use Splenda, Sumo, okay? I use Splenda. Now, when my wife sees me using Splenda, you would think it's a crime against humanity, by the way. Like when, I, like when she sees me using Splenda, she acts like I'm pouring arsenic on my oatmeal, okay? I don't really like you using that, okay? Don't you know how bad that is for you? And here's me. <laughs> don't care. Don't care. Listen, I have so little in life. Leave me alone, okay? Now, we often try to ignore our problems. We try to deny that they are problems. We may say things like, you know, it's just the way that I am. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. And then continue, as you were. Or we'll say things like, well, everybody else is doing it. That, never, that didn't even work when you were a kid, and yet we still say it. Or sometimes we blame other people. If I, ju- you know, if I just had different parents. Or the trusty old Christian excuse, the devil made me do it. It was the enemy. It was, it, was, it was Satan. Listen, we can blame anything, anyone, any institution, but as long as we waste our time and energy fixing the blame, you ain't going to fix the problem. 
James says that as humans, we love to take the path of least resistance. And giving into temptation is usually the easiest course. So the starting point for developing self-control is really just facing up to what God has already told us. And that is, we are responsible for our own behavior. There's simply no way around this. And so if you want more self-control, the first step is to admit you got a problem. And be specific about that problem. I have this problem. I have that problem. This is where I need your help, Lord, in my life. Maybe for you, it's food. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's anger, money, sex, worry, work. All of these areas are crying out for self-control. And so I would encourage you to get on your knees and begin praying specifically to God about these problem areas in your life and ask him for help. Second step in developing self-control is you got to put your past behind you. Ooh, this is a big one. Paul says something that I love, Philippians 3.13. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. What I love about this verse is that it exposes a misconception that will keep you from gaining self-control. And that is once a failure, always a failure. Not in Christ. Not according to scripture. Now you might say, oh, I tried to quit, right? I I tried 15 times. I, I guess I'll never get control of this. That's a misconception. Failure in the past does not mean you'll never be able to change. But, and listen when I say this, focusing on past failures does guarantee their repetition. You know what it's like? It's like driving in your car and only looking in the rearview mirror. Eventually, you're going to slam into whatever's ahead of you. Paul says you've got to put the past behind you. Parents in the room, remember when your kid was first like learning to walk? My daughter, Charlotte, is now a a walker. Here it is, shameless baby picture. I can't believe I'm I'm like this guy. And I used to hate when pastors put pictures of their kids up, and here I'm doing it. Okay, anyway, deal with it. When babies first learn to walk, they fall down a lot. I mean, like, a lot. But they don't stay down. They are, like, insanely persistent, incredibly persistent, and eventually they walk, which means babies learn to walk through persistence. Can you imagine where you'd be if you gave up on walking because you fell a few times? Charlotte comes over to me, hey, Dad. Can't talk, by the way. But hey, Dad, it's hopeless. It's not that good. I'm hopeless. I'll never be a walker. I fell. It's, I mean, my, my cousin May, she's a walker. Some people are just walkers. I'm a crawler, okay? I tried, I failed. I'm going to be crawling forever. Paul says, mm, no. You've got to put your past behind you. doesn't matter how many times you failed. You've got to try again. Only this time, try a new way admit you have a problem, and ask God into the process. Next, develop self-control. You must challenge your feelings. Okay, you gotta gotta talk back to your feelings. You gotta call them out on their, you know, their you-know-what. Because we give our feelings way too much credit. We give our feelings way too much power, way too much respect. We place way too much emphasis on our feelings. We We say things like, you know, I don't feel like studying. Who does, okay? I don't feel like working. That's why it's called work. I don't feel like going to church. Okay, fine. Now on the flip side, we say things like, you know, I feel like having another drink. I feel like having a second or a third portion of food. I feel like sleeping until 10 a.m. Sound like you? Do you let your moods manipulate you? 
Do you let your moods dictate what you do, when you do it, how you do it, how you treat other people? According to Scripture, God does not want us to be controlled by our feelings. He wants us to be a master of our moods. So let's make this practical. Let's say, for example, you're not happy with your weight. All right? Doctor, you go in for a physical. He's like, hey, listen, everything was fine, but like, you got to lose just a couple. Okay, fine. Message received. You go home right, after getting this news. You walk into the kitchen. All of a sudden, you catch yourself saying something like, you know, if I don't have a snack, I'm going to die. <laughs> you're not going to die. You're going to be just fine. In fact, according to the doctor, you're going to be healthier. You got to call out those thoughts. You got to challenge those emotions and those feelings. How about this one? You know, I just need a drink to take the edge off. You know, if this is something you find yourself saying every day, frequently, that's a red flag. You are your own saboteur, okay? The wisest man who ever lived said, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So you got to ask yourself, are your thoughts controlling you? Or are you controlling your thoughts? Now, don't be fooled by the term self-control because if you could do it yourself, you already would have done it. Isn't that true? God is the one who gives you the power. God is the one who gives you the ability to say no to that feeling, to say no to that desire, to say no to that impulse, and to say no to that thought. With God's supernatural help made available to you through Jesus Christ, you can master your moods. You can master your thoughts. Next, you want to cultivate self-control in your life. You actually have to believe that you can change. This is important, okay? Like if you're going to become more self-controlled, you actually have to start believing that you can change with God's help because your beliefs, according to science and according to scripture, your beliefs do control your behavior. Now it is cliche, but the one who says I can and the one who says I can't are both right. Much of the time we are setting ourselves up to be defeated by a habit, shall we say, by simply saying, I'll never be able to change. Your, your, your belief becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. Peter says, therefore, practice self-control and keep your minds clear. Why? Why keep it clear? Because a clear mind has a lot to do with self-control. God gave us the power to change our habits when he gave us the power to choose our thoughts. Paul says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Now, does Paul tell us that we are going to be transformed by working hard? Nope. Does he say you're going to be transformed by sheer willpower and stick-to-itiveness? Nope. We are going to be transformed by God through the renewing of our thought life. When your self-control is tested, you got to fill your mind with God's promises. So let me just show you one of my favorite ones of God's promises. Paul says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Listen to what he's saying. Here. This is really interesting. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Which means, here's the bad news. If you're a Christian, you simply can never say the temptation was too strong, I couldn't help myself. Scripture promises that God is faithful, he is with you, and if you are a child of God, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, 
Satan would love to destroy you in a minute, but God won't let him. God promises to keep us from the things that we can't handle. However, what we can and what we cannot handle changes over the years. So you've got to focus on God's promise of help and strength. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me just stop for a second. Because this verse right here, a lot of people take this to places it was not meant to be taken. When Paul wrote this from a jail cell, mind you, he was letting us know that God, or Jesus, was giving him the strength to be content in any situation. He can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But I am completely comfortable extending this promise into life change. Because God has called us to live differently, and if he has called us to live differently, if he's called us and challenged us to think differently, you will be able to do that through Christ, who strengthens you. You can change. You can be different. So stop setting yourself up for failure by constantly criticizing yourself. Stop nagging yourself. Stop condemning yourself. Stop putting yourself down. Oh, I'm worthless. No, you're not. I'm no good. Yes, you are. I shouldn't even go to church. I simply have no control over my life. Nagging doesn't work. Doesn't work for anybody. Remember what Jesus said. Everything is possible for him who believes. You have to believe that you can change with God's help. Next thing we want to do in cultivating the fruit of the Spirit known as self-control is you have to avoid temptation. And this one's interesting. Didn't God just say he would keep us away from it? Yes, God will protect you. But don't test God. You got to do your part. You got to do your part in not putting yourself into a situation that tempts you. Okay? Now, the best way that I think you could do that is to make what I like to call a predetermined resolution. That is, I'm going to decide ahead of time, not in the heat of the moment, not when it's happening, not when I'm already in the fire. I'm going to decide ahead of time how I'm going to act, how I'm going to respond, if and when I am presented with that temptation, alcohol, financial, whatever it is for you, right? How I'm going to respond in that moment if that moment happens. I'm going to do it ahead of time. Now, if you're on a date, okay, and things start getting hot and heavy, shall we say, like Elaine and Jake Jarmel and Seinfeld, right? Things are getting hot and heavy. That is not the time to begin thinking about what self-control might look like in your life. Because if you've gotten to that point, according to a youth pastor I once heard, you're going to be guided by your glands, not your plans. Okay, so <laughs> how about that gem, okay? Now, Paul says, don't give the devil a way to defeat you. Don't keep candy in the pantry if you're trying to lose weight. Don't get a credit card if you are an impulse spender. Don't go to the bar if you can't say no. Delete that number out of your phone. Block those websites. And you know the ones I'm talking about. So what in your life do you need to avoid? Come on, you know. You're already thinking about it. What in your life do you need to get rid of? How about this? What relationship or relationships, and I don't mean romantic even, what relationships are in your life right now that need to come to an end? This is a big one. Paul famously said, bad company corrupts good character. 
According to Jesus, yes, you are to love everyone. Asterisk. But there's some people you got to stay away from. Because you know and I know that every time you're with them, you slip up. Now here's the thing. That ain't on them. That's on you. Because we, according to God, are responsible for our own behavior and actions. And so you have to avoid both people and situations that might tempt you to forfeit your self-control. Now the very last step in cultivating self-control, and it is the key to lasting self-control, is you must have to depend, must depend on Christ's power, okay? Touched on this a couple of times already today. But if your real desire is to develop self-control, you have to learn to depend on Christ's power to help you. Paul says this, let the Spirit direct your lives and you will not satisfy the desires of the human nature. The sequence here is very important, vitally important. He says, let the Spirit direct your lives. That's the first part. Let the Spirit direct your lives. Then, here's the second part, then you will not satisfy the desires of the human nature. Even though the Spirit is in your life, you're still going to have these desires. You just won't act on them. Now, we usually get this backwards. What we usually say is something like, you know, my life's a mess, um, but once I get my act together, once I kind of like, you know, break this habit or whatever the case may be, once I do that, then, then I'm going to come to God. Then I'm going to live for God. You know, then, then I'm really going to let the Holy Spirit kind of wor- work in my life. God's like, mm, no, that's not the, that is not the sequence. That is not how things work. But Paul never said, get your act together, then God will help you. We don't see this anywhere in Scripture. What we do say is God's saying something like, let me into your life. Let me into your mess. Let my Holy Spirit control you while you are still struggling with that problem. Let me help you. I will help you change. The sequence makes all the difference. But so many of us have it backwards. Imagine if I said something like, you know, I'm sick. <clears throat> Got a little something going on here. But I'm going to get well, and then I'm going to go to the doctors. <laughs> what? That, that's not how, that, doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense. But I hear people all, when I say all the time, I mean all the time, say things like, I have to deal with some stuff, and then I'm going to attend church. And because I'm awkward, I always ask, well, what's stuff? <laughs> like, huh? They're like, what do you mean? I go, well, what's, you said, it's what's, what's the stuff? Oh, uh, well, you know, <sighs> dealing with a habit. I'm struggling in my marriage. I got these legal kind of thing just like looming over my head. And I just want to you know, get a handle on all that before I kind of get back into the God thing. Let me stop you right there, okay? You need God now more than ever. You need Christ in your life now to help you with those problems. Folks, it is the strangest thing. Maybe it's human nature. I don't know. But it's like whenever we need Christ the most, we tend to hide from him. But Jesus has the power to help you change. It pains me when I hear people say things like, you know, I'm just not good enough to be a Christian, so I'm not even going to try. Great. Don't try. Just trust. Put your trust in Christ. Depend on him to change what you have been unable to change for yourself. Guys, none of us in this room is perfect. None of us is perfect. 
None of us here have it all together. Maybe some of you do. Most of us don't. But we're honest enough to say we're not perfect. But we want to grow. We want to be more like Jesus. And we're all in this together. So, what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it, new guy knows the cue. How good? Look at this. Man, he's on it. It's good. Anyway, if it's your first time here at DHC, Every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So I want to keep it super simple today as we wrap up this 10-week series. Here's the question I want you to kind of marinate on. In what areas of your life do you have a hard time saying no? What areas? Maybe for you, you have a hard time saying no to food. Maybe for you, uh, you have a hard time saying no to excessive spending or alcohol or drugs or sex or worry or whatever. Do you have trouble saying no to your feelings? Maybe for someone in this room right now, you're, you're struggling with an addiction, but nobody knows about it. The Lord knows, and he cares about you. And the best part is he's able to do something about it. So today, right now, as I close in prayer, my challenge to you is to ask God to control your life. Now, let me just qualify this for a second. If you are someone in this room today or watching online or listening in the future, if you are someone who has never committed your life to Christ, right? you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you've never said yes to him, then let me tell you something you might not know. You have been on your own. Those battles you've been fighting, those struggles you've been wrestling with, you have been fighting them by yourself. And maybe that makes a lot of sense now. But when you say yes to Jesus, not only are you made right with the creator of the universe in an instant, but he takes up residence in your heart and begins to change you and begins to fight your battles with you and alongside of you. So would you say yes to Jesus today? Now, for those of you in this room who have already said yes to Jesus, okay, those of you who are Christians, but you're struggling, right? Because you don't become a Christian, the struggles go away. They're still there. Ask Jesus to take control right now. Put those areas before him. Lean on his strength. Then, as you face temptations that are too strong for you to resist, remember that it is he who is with you and turn them over to him. Guys, never forget that Christ has the power to change your life and to make you look more like him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you have given us the opportunity to devote an entire summer to life change to looking at the ways that you begin to change us and mold us to look more like you. God, I pray that those of us in this room who know you personally as our Lord and Savior would just see tremendous growth in our lives, an abundance of fruit, Lord, that we might glorify you in the process and change the world around us because of who you are and what you are doing. 
God, I pray, Lord, if there is someone in this room today or watching online who does not know you personally, but they've been researching and they've been studying and maybe they still have some questions, God, I pray God, that you would empower them to say yes, to cross that line of faith, to say, I don't understand it all, but I believe. And in a moment, they can be changed. And Lord, because of today, I pray that if there's someone in this room struggling with self-control, that you would strengthen them, that you would help them in the areas that they need to say no to and to say yes in the areas that you've called them to grow in. And we will be careful to give you all of the glory. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.